This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God. 20 million movement right here on Faith FM where you can join 20 other million people in studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time, although we might be slightly behind. But before we get to that, we need to come to our next clue for our quiz. Nobody got it in the first hour, so now is your second hour opportunity to win your prize. What's our clue there, Gemma? God said this animal was to rest on the Sabbath. Interesting. Not the only animal that God said to rest on the Sabbath, but uh, We don't yes, want to give it away. It does say that. <laughs> it does say that. <coughs> Very true. So if you know the answer, give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843. Text us on 0491-064-669, and you'll have a free Doug Bachelor book coming your way. Gemma. Yes. The app. Yes, the app. Is amazing. It is great. Get it. You know, my friend who, you know, my thankful thing for today is that a friend came to visit me. I was like, okay, yes. i got to go to radio in the morning, so I won't be here. But you should listen to me on radio. And he was like, how do I do that? And I was like, you download the app. It's 2020. This is a very simple procedure. <laughs> Just do it already. <laughs> Download the app and you will be... Well, where you're living, you should be able to pick up a decent signal anyway. I would have thought, but I yeah, could be wrong. That's true. But, like, you can put his headphones in, yeah. still be in bed and listen. Yeah, Who nobody... has a radio anymore? <laughs> this is true. Who has a radio anymore? Radios are things for cars, not for... Um, around the house. Around the house. And, I mean, you know, you've got your Bluetooth speakers and, you know, your home entertainment system and your Apple TV or whatever else. Like, nobody nobody has a radio in their home Radios anymore. are for cars and workshops. Which is why you have to get the app. That's right. And then you've got it. Problem solved right there. Okay, Encounter with God. We are in Daniel chapter 8 still. We are supposed to be in Daniel chapter 9, but unfortunately <laughs> we are in Daniel chapter 8. And we are going to be looking at the prophecy in relationship to the 2,300 days. So to summarize what we learned yesterday, the Bible says in Daniel 8 and verse 14, which is the last verse of the prophecy. Yes. The Bible says, under 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Mm -hmm. The problem with this verse for Daniel, of course, was that it kind of appears impossible because... The sanctuary is supposed to be rebuilt and put back together and a Day of Atonement held 70 years after it is destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and that time is nearly up and now he has a prophecy. He said, no, it won't be for 2,300 days. And he could look at that and go, well, you know what, that's like seven years, but you can't pack into seven years the rise and fall of the Medo-Persian Empire, the rise and fall of Alexander the Great, the rise and fall of the Greek Empire, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, the rise and fall of the Antichrist. You can't fit all of that into seven and a half years. That's a little bit much. Yeah, so it's super confusing for Daniel, and the angel Gabriel comes and explains a whole lot. But yesterday we specifically looked at the service of the sanctuary. Yes. Because under 2,300 days, then, will the sanctuary be cleansed? We just have to ask ourselves, well, okay, what is it that is going on right here? What is the cleansing of the sanctuary? And we found the cleansing of the sanctuary is also known as the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur or the Day of Judgment. 
and that it was a once a year service in which all of the sins that were in the sanctuary were cleaned out. Yes. Okay. How were the sins there? The sins were there because when you sinned, you would bring a lamb as a sacrifice. You would sacrifice that lamb. You would cut its throat. You would catch its blood in a bowl. The priest would take that blood into the holy place, the first room of the sanctuary, and sprinkle it on the curtain that divided the first room from the second room and the floor in front of it and the four horns of the golden altar. And symbolically, the sin was being transferred from you to the lamb, to the blood, to the sanctuary, and you walk out scot-free. Woo! Because an innocent lamb died. Yeah. And that's a symbol of Jesus Christ who did absolutely nothing wrong and died for us. We get to walk away scot-free because Jesus died for us. Man, the sanctuary is cool. The sanctuary is so cool. Okay, so you continue on from there and you find that once a year, because every drop of blood that goes in there is a record of sin. It is there because of a sin that was committed. Mm Mm-hmm. And so once a year they had a service that was called the cleansing of the sanctuary and on that particular day they would sacrifice a goat and they would take its blood into the most holy place. It was the only time of the year they could ever go there. <clears throat> and the blood of that boat, goat would be sprinkled on the mercy seat beneath the visible presence of God. Hmm. And as it was sprinkled on the mercy seat, it would cleanse, its purpose was to cleanse the temple from the sin that was in the holy place. So not the sin that was on individual people, but the sin that was in the holy place. Which was everybody's individual sin anyway. It was just all compiled after a year. Uh, It was everybody's individual sin that had been confessed. Yeah, that specifically people had taken it. Yes. Okay, yeah. And that's the key difference here. Because this was the day on which there was a separation made between those those who had confessed their sins and those who had not. Yes. In other words, a a separation between the righteous and the wicked. Mm -hmm. In other words, it was a day of judgment. That's what judgment is all about, separating between the righteous and the wicked. This is all known sin, though, like people that know they have sinned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this this is what was... And so it symbolizes the judgment. Mm. Okay, now we know it's impossible to have the rise of Medo-Persia, the rise of... Uh, Alexander the Great, the rise of the Greek Empire, the rise of the Roman Empire, the rise of the Antichrist, uh, all within you know the seven-year period or seven-and-a-half-year period of 2,300 literal days. That's impossible. Yes. And so our alternative is, and this is actually the biblical alternative, is to take used to use the day-for-year principle as it is used in the prophetic chapters of the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. So 1260 years, it's all right there. 1290 years, 1335 years. There are a number of different time prophecies in the book of Daniel and they all utilize the day-for-year principle. Mm -hmm. And so we take the day-for-year principle and apply it here. You now have a time period of 2,300 years. All of those things could happen pretty much within that time. That's, that's a, a bit more long realistic. Time. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, more that's realistic. more realistic. <clears throat> but it's also a very, very long time. Very true. What we need to do is to confirm Ooh. that that is the correct way to read this passage. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So we know exactly it is talking about day for your principle. So we need to confirm that. And the context is going to do exactly that for us. Let's go to Daniel chapter 8. And I wonder if you could read for us, uh, beginning in verse 15, please. 
As I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision, someone who looked like a man stood in front of me. And I heard a human voice calling out from the Ulai River, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of his vision. Okay, so we're going to get an explanation now. Keep going. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. Okay, let's stop right there for a moment. We know, and Gabriel states in very clear language in just a few verses, that the ram is Medo-Persia. That's ancient history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goat is Greece. That's ancient history. The little horn is Rome. That's ancient history. And yet here he cl- plainly states that the prophecy is all about the time of the end. Yes. There is only one possible way of this prophecy being about the time of the end. And day that is b- to year. Day for a year. Yeah. Because if you go for a day for a year, 2,300 years from the time of Daniel, doesn't matter where you start that, you know, in the time of Daniel, thereabouts, mm-hmm. you are going to land in modern history. You're yeah. going to land in the time of the end. And we're going to discover when this prophecy ends very soon. But we have some other things we need to cover first. Next verse, please. We're up to verse 18 and 19. While he was speaking, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. But Gabriel roused me with a touch and helped me to my feet. Then he said, I am here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. What you have seen pertains to the very end of time. So Gabriel says it twice. Yeah. like Just in case you missed it the first time. I mean, he would... Passed out the first time and passed out again. The That's right. Time. So it's pretty full on for Daniel. <laughs> it's pretty full on, but he says it twice. He says, "No, this prophecy is all about the time of the end, and there is only one part of the prophecy that can be about the time of the end, and that is the part of the prophecy that points to the cleansing of the sanctuary, which is symbolic of the judgment. Therefore, we know that this prophecy is pointing forward to the judgment." You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves the question, if this prophecy is all about the time of the end, and we know that if you begin it around the time period of the prophecy of Daniel, it's going to land in modern history, but it's going to land in modern history previous to our day, Mm. you have another problem. There is no temple on earth. That's true. So if there's going to be a cleansing of the sanctuary that is going to take place after 2,300 years, and that event has already begun, and yet there is no sanctuary on earth, what on earth could it be talking about? Heavenly sanctuary. The answer is nothing on earth. Yeah. Because the one on earth was only ever a miniature of the one in heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. As a like a, a a copy, a shadow. The Bible describes it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter eight, and let's read about it right there. Hebrews chapter eight, and Gemma, if you could read for us Hebrews eight, beginning in verse one. Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship. That was built by the Lord and not by human hands. Okay, so where does the Bible say that Jesus is now? Heaven. Whereabouts in heaven? 
the holy place. The sanctuary. The true place of worship. The true place of worship. Let me read it to you on mine. It says we have a high priest. Mm -hmm. So this is sanctuary terminology being used here. Sitting on the throne, on the, on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister of the sanctuary. So he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. But what is he doing sitting on the right hand of the Father? The Bible says that he ministers there for us. Nice. In the sanctuary, in heaven, the true one which God built, mm. and not human beings. So the one on earth is just a kind of a model yeah. of the one that's in heaven. And that's pretty much what it goes on to say. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is of necessity that this man have something also to offer. So Jesus Christ offers his own blood. Uh, for if he was on earth, he would not be a priest, seeing that there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Jesus was not a Levite, so if he was on earth, he wouldn't be a priest. Mm -hmm. The law said Levites do that. So he's a different order of priest. Uh, verse 5, please, Gemma. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. Okay, so you've got a number of different oh, that's temples. Cool. That's so cool. You've yeah. got a number of different temples that were built on earth. You've got the one that Moses built. Yes. You've got the one that Solomon built. You've got the one that Zerubbabel built. You've got the one that Herod built. Mm-hmm. And they're all quite different from each other. Yeah. Uh, the first one was a tent. The second one was pretty spectacular. The third one was somewhat spectacular. <laughs> and the fourth one that Herod built was just off the charts spectacular. <laughs> and so when you look at all of these different temples, you find, okay, they're very different from each other, but they all have a number of... You know, the same things in common. They all have a courtyard, a holy place, a most holy place. They all have, you know, the various pieces of furniture. Mm. And that is because they're not all the same because they're just copies of the one that's in heaven. They are, as the Bible says here, a faint reflection or a shadow. Because it's impossible to build any earthly structure that is ever going to match or even reflect Anything that actually exists in heaven. Yeah. It's just beyond imagination. And so the Bible says that there is a sanctuary in heaven. We know that this is where the judgment takes place. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting on the throne of the Father, the right hand of the throne of the Father, in heaven. Mm. And so this is where... Uh, the judgment will take place. In fact, when we read about the judgment back in Daniel chapter 7, here's what it says. Why don't you read for us verse 9 and 10? I have to scroll. Hang on. Yes, because you've got an electronic Bible. Oh, every Paper ones are always so much faster. Let's not do this debate again. People are going to get sick of us having this Let's argument. Let's go there. Daniel 7. Let's go right there. Let's not. Daniel 7, what verse? 8 and 9. Okay. And you get there. I'm, sc shh, I'm scrolling. <laughs> and I was looking at the horns suddenly. Another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient one sat down to judge. 
His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. Okay, so we know that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. We know that he ministers in the sanctuary, and here we have the judgment uh, taking place, and the throne of God is there. Therefore, we know that the sanctuary where the judgment takes place is the one that is in heaven. Keep reading for us, please, in verse 10. And a river of fire was pouring out flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were opened. Okay, so if you want to get a very, very faint grasp of the sanctuary in heaven, the Bible says that there are millions and millions and millions of angels in the most holy place. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah. That's the kind of sanctuary that probably, you know, spans the width of a nebula you might measure in light years. So Herod's spectacular sanctuary in comparison yeah, to this yeah. was nothing. But <laughs> so calls it a shadow yeah. because a shadow is black and white and one-dimensional. Okay, when you go down to verse 13, see what happens in verse 13. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. Okay, so Jesus turns up, and so we have Jesus and the Father right there at the sanctuary in heaven where the judgment takes place. Nice. Okay, so we have a prophecy that says 2,300 days, and then the sanctuary where he will be cleansed. In other words, then the judgment will begin in heaven. Mm -hmm. The Bible says the judgment takes place before Jesus comes back. There are many, many references to that. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according as his work shall be. Nice. Uh, do you give out rewards before or after judgment? After. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't, you know. Yeah, why would you give someone a reward? Yeah, someone, know send someone to jail for like 25 years and after you've done that, say, okay, now I've sent them to jail for 25 years. Let's sit down and have a judgment, find out whether they're guilty or not. Well, pay people before they work. It's like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah makes no sense. Now, some people question, why is there a judgment? Doesn't God already know who's saved and who's lost? Why would there not be a judgment? This is a good question. Like, what? The Bible is full of judgment. Yeah, that's such a weird question. And there are so many prophecies about the judgment that will come in the future. Over and over and over and over again, the Bible speaks about the coming judgment. Mm -hmm. But there literally are a lot of people, and you will often get this question. It's like, why does God need to have a judgment to find out who's saved and who's lost? Doesn't he already know that? Yeah, but that's not the point. Okay. I like where you're heading, Gemma. Uh, what is the point of the judgment? Because it's not necessarily just God that judges. Don't we get to, like, the books to be opened is referring to, you know, when we get to... Okay, that refers to a later period during the thousand years, and we'll probably come to that in this Bible study at some particular point. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> the purpose of the judgment... And we need to make this very clear because a lot of people just completely miss the point on this subject. The purpose of the judgment is not for God to find out who's saved and who's lost. He already knows that. Yeah. He don't need to have a judgment to do that. The purpose of the judgment is to ensure that sin never comes back again. Okay, so why don't you think about this for a moment? God knows who's saved and who's lost. Therefore, God can bring our world to an end, which he will do at some stage. And in doing so, some people are going to be lost and some people are going to be saved. And the whole universe will see it happen. Mm. 
and they may or they may not agree with God's decision as to who's saved and who's lost. Yeah. And so if they disagree with God's decision, then there is a seed of doubt, isn't there? Yeah, so that's when we get to... Before we get to us, before we get to, to deal with the, with the universe first. <laughs> one step at a time. Okay. One step at a time. Why is he just running ahead of me right now? Okay, one step at a time. So, so let's think about the universe. They're watching God save some people, he condemns others, and there's a seed of doubt. Just, let's say there's just one somewhere in the universe. Given eternity, that seed of doubt is going to grow. Mm. And flourish, and sooner or later, sin comes back again. You don't want that to happen. Let's not have a repeat. So the reason that God holds a judgment is not because he doesn't know who's saved and who's lost, but the universe doesn't know who's saved and who's lost. That's why he holds the judgment in open court so the entire universe can be present and can watch and can see that every decision that God makes is right and just and there is no seed of doubt anywhere. Is always burning on your altar, my Lord. You sacrificed your own son so my life might be restored. Now I As a living sacrifice to worship you in all I do in every part.
You're listening to Lucy Stimson Maynard with the fire of sacrifice. This is the breakfast show, and we are in encounter with God Bible study. Let's have another clue for our quiz as we get back. Is no one answered the quiz yet? Oh no, we have, we have an answer. We have an answer. Okay, so we're gonna have to get our uh, producer to uh, let us know who answered the quiz. Who is it there, uh, Gemma? Gary Osmond, congratulations from Flinders Park. You are the winner, and the correct answer. Well for done. What creature am I? Is donkey. It was a donkey. It was donkey. Yes, indeed. Okay, so Saul was looking for some donkeys that had gone missing when he met Samuel. Donkeys have to rest on Sabbath, along with a lot they of do. other animals. They do. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing how the Middle East and large parts of the world still run on donkey power. When I was in Ethiopia last year, donkeys, donkeys everywhere doing donkeys everything. Really? Oh, absolutely. Donkey power. Okay, so uh, where are we up to in our Bible study? We're talking about this, the uh, judgment and the purpose of the judgment. The purpose of the judgment is not for God to find out who's saved and who's lost, but for the universe to find out who's saved and who's lost, and therefore to see that God has done everything correctly, therefore to eliminate any doubt in the universe so that sin never, ever comes back again. The universe as in what? As in like other angels and like Satan and his angels and humans or just like... What do you mean the, the universe? universe, as in everybody who lives out there? Okay, all right. The entire the entire existence of everything that could possibly. Exist. I don't know who all lives out there. <laughs> but think about this: God is creative by nature. Good point. And He is eternal. And we have never discovered the edge of the universe. Good point. And He is a God of love. Uh huh. Love does not exist when you are by yourself. Yeah, okay. So what makes us think that we are the very first time that God decided to be creative? Ooh. Did God live in a vast, empty desert? This is a whole other can of worms that we're opening. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did he exist in an empty desert throughout all of those long ages of eternity until one day it's like, oh, create some human beings? Now, at the very least, we know there's angels. Yeah. And so the principle applies just for the angels, if not for... Everybody else. The Bible is actually very, very clear about the existence of other worlds and other inhabitants of those worlds. Nice. Maybe we'll do it for a question of the day. We'll see how we go. We have a few minutes left here, which we need to use to finish this chapter. Okay, the Bible says in chapter 8 and verse 19, he said, Behold, I will make you know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed the end shall be. That's actually a specific reference to the 2,300 days and the end thereof. And the Bible says that God has made an appointment. Interesting language. He has appointed a day. He's written an appointment. He's made an appointment in his diary for a certain event to take place. If you want to find out what that is, you turn over to the book of Acts. Nearly called the gospel, but the book of Acts And we will go over here to chapter 17 and verse 31, where the Bible says, Because he, God, has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. We know this is about the judgment. The Bible specifically says that it is about the judgment. This is the day that God has made an appointment for. Then the Bible goes on, and we've read these next verses earlier in the week. The Bible goes on and talks about, um, in verse 20, the ram which you saw having the two horns, the kings of Media and Persia, the rough goat is the king of Greece. 
the great horn being broken off, four stood up for that kingdom, but not in his power. And then we talk about in the latter time of their, tra- their kingdom when the transgressors have come to a fuller kingdom of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences or a foreign language shall stand up. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully and prosper and practice and destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause deceit to prosper in his hand. He will magnify himself in his heart and by peace will destroy many. He will also stand up against the Prince of Princes, Jesus Christ, but shall be broken without hand. Adding a few bits and pieces there as I go. Okay, and so we have a description there of the Roman Empire in both of its phases as, first of all, Imperial Rome, followed by the Holy Roman Empire, Mm. which was one of the greatest oxymorons ever because it wasn't the Holy Roman Empire. Anybody who has studied medieval history will know that it was a very unholy empire that existed during this time period. However, we need to discover when the judgment begins. The Bible says under 2,300 days, then will the judgment begin. It becomes critically important for us to understand when the judgment begins because when we know when the judgment begins, we know when we are living in the end of time because once the judgment begins, it's a little bit like the beginning of labor pains. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going until it happens. In fact, the Bible describes the time of the end as being like labor pains. So we need to find out when does that actually begin. The Bible says 2,300 days. Unto 2,300 days. Now, typically, when we're talking about a length of time, we will say from this point unto this point. Isn't that so? Yeah, typically. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14 has the unto. Does it have the starting point? Does it have the from? It says unto this particular period, but there is no from. From this particular date unto 2,300 you know, 2, days, unto this particular point, then the judgment will begin. Mm. Okay, so we need to find out the from. So far, Gabriel has explained to us exactly who the ram is. Yes. Exactly who his two horns are. Mm-hmm. Exactly who the goat is. Exactly who the great horn is. Exactly who the four horns are. Exactly who the little horn is. Exactly how long the prophecy is. And exactly what will take place at the end. He's been pretty specific. He has. He's been detailed. There's one detail missing. The from. The from. Why? Let's see what he has to say about this part of the prophecy. Can you read for us verse 26, please? This vision about the 2,300 evenings and mornings is true, but none of these things will happen for a long time, so keep this vision a secret. Ooh. Okay. Let's think about this. Okay. Interesting. None of this happen- is happening for a long time, so keep it a secret. Whereabouts is the from? This is the explanation right here. The vision of the evenings and the morning, which is told, is true. Shut up the vision. It will be for a long time. How is that a from? It's not. No. It's just Gabriel comes along and that says, That doesn't help. It's true. That doesn't help at all. Okay, now read for us verse 26. 
That was 26. You mean 27? 27, yeah. Yeah. 27. Then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Afterward, I got up and performed my duties for the king, but I was greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. What do you mean he couldn't understand it? I mean, I'm not surprised he Gabriel, couldn't understand Gabriel it. explained it. Gabriel told him exactly who the ram was, exactly who the two horns were, exactly who the goat was, exactly what the great horn was, exactly who the four horns were, exactly who the little horn is, exactly how long the prophecy is, exactly what would happen at the end of the prophecy. Yeah, but it's not for Gabriel his... Gabriel explains <laughs> everything about this vision. Unlike the vision of Daniel chapter 2... Yeah, but it's not... Or the vision of Daniel chapter 7... <laughs> You know, where he's kind of left guessing, you know, who is the lion, who is the bear, who is the leopard, who is the nondescript beast. Yeah, but it's not for him. It's not for his time. That's why he can't understand it. But he's been told. He's been, it's, it's, everything has been told. It's been explained in clear, plain language. Let me uh, tell you why he couldn't understand it. Okay. There's only one part that he can't understand. The from bit? The from. There's no starting date for this prophecy. He has been given a prophecy with no starting date. That is the only part that he does not understand. Now, of course, the good news is, we'll do the good news first and then the bad news. The good news is that Gabriel comes back in the next chapter and finishes off the explanation. Yes. The bad news is that if you want to finish off the explanation and find out when the judgment began, because it's already (sighs) begun, You're going to have to tune in tomorrow because we're out of time. (laughs) So the good news is that God is still on his throne. He is still living and mediating for us in the sanctuary in heaven. The good news is, I'm going to tell you right now, the judgment has already begun. We're living in the time of the end. But if you want to find out when, you're going to have to tune in tomorrow. Troublesome times times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your humbling hearts, your hearts to, to God, station the chains, chaining rod. Seek the way, seek the way, pilgrims trod, Christians awake. My Jesus is coming soon, morning or night, or night or noon. And many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will, Trumpets will sound, and all of the dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the sky, and going where no one, one dies, heavenward bound. Well, troubles will soon be more happy forevermore when we meet, when on, we meet that on that shore, free from all care. Rising up rising in, up in the, the sky, telling this telling world, world goodbye. goodbye. Homeward we Home then we will fly, glory to share. My Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. Dead shall rise Righteous me in the sky And we know when no one dies Heavenward bound My Jesus is a coming soon Morning or night
Adventist Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community. Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner. Enjoy good company and have a great time. All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket and you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tin food, pasta bread and toiletries. Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner. Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton every Thursday evening. All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. For more information on any of today's broadcasts, call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. It's all about you Come to the Saviour, God our Creator Come, let us praise Him for maybe an hour Then when we're done, we'll pack Him all up Send Him back to His corner Sing about Jesus, sing of His love Sing of the life that he gave up for us But heaven forbid that God would have the nerve to ask you to give up your own What you say, you believe Let him write it on your heart Let him carve it on each part of who you are Cause how can we follow Christ only when it's convenient? How can we worship a God who we don't even know? Open his word for a moment or so Take what you like and leave what you don't Tell me how Tell me how What you say You believe Would you write it with your blood 
The God we say we love, oh, he's worth it all. He is worth it all. What you stand. Listen to Kimmy Ogendi with How here on The Breakfast Show. <clears throat> what have we got for our question of the day? Seeing as the quiz has been snapped up, what's our question of the day? The question of the day is, who judges, God or Jesus? Jesus is God. Y- yeah, but specifically, uh, what we were just talking about in our study, specifically, who Okay, so Both. God the Father yeah, yeah. or God the Son? Well, yeah, like, I mean, Jesus is God, yeah, Trinity, for sure. But who, but specifically, you get what I mean? Why are you going to do this to me? <laughs> Mumbling over my words. I'm like, because but, it's but, fun. But, but, but you because know what I mean. just fun. You know what I mean. Okay, all right, I do know what you mean. Does God the Father or God the Son? Who? Which one is the judge? Who, who calls the shots? Now, that's a good question. We need to answer that question. Now, this is what we do know about Jesus Christ, and this is going to um, reveal some interesting things about the judgment, where the judgment is a little bit unique. We know that the Bible says that in the judgment we have somebody who stands up in our defense. It's always good to have somebody who stands up in your defense. And so if we go to First John chapter 2 uh, and verse, uh, let me see here, verse 1, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, or I write unto you, that you sin not. It's the whole purpose of the Bible, so we don't sin. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ the righteous. What does your translation say on that uh, verse there, First John 2 and verse 1? My dear children, I am writing this so that you do not fall into sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Okay, so in the judgment in heaven, we have Jesus Christ, who is our advocate. He's the one who pleads our case. He's your defense lawyer. Um, and he stands up and speaks on your behalf. So if Jesus is your defense lawyer, then uh, who would the judge be? Hmm. Gemma's, Gemma's going very quiet. She's not going to answer because um, she, uh, she knows I'm going to pick on her whatever she says. Pretty much. I don't want to guess anymore. Okay, so you would, <laughs> you would assume that if Jesus is the defense lawyer in this case, if Jesus takes that particular position that the actual judge would be God the Father by a process of default. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be God the Holy Spirit, but in the, it's not really the function of the Holy Spirit. And so we'd say, well, God the Father. Yes. So we'd say that you know Jesus pleads our case to the Father and the Father decides whether we're guilty or not. I feel like there's a big but coming. There's a massive but. But. Because in any human court case here on earth, that's how you would have it. Your defense and your judge would be two different people. Yeah. John chapter 5 and verse 22. The Bible says, The Father judges no one. Ooh, that's clear. Oh, yeah, wow. That is really That is black and white. Specific, isn't it? Yeah. So if the Father is not the judge, oh. then who is the judge? The rest of that verse is kind of cool. That verse is kind of cool. Yeah, go, go ahead and read it for us. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge. Okay, let me read it from my translation where it says, The Father judges no man, but has given all judgment to the Son. Okay, so let me get this straight. So, He's the judge and our lawyer? Yes. Our attorney? Really? Yes. It's kind of cool. I want cool. you to think about this for a moment. Okay. So the Bible says that Jesus is the person who will do all the judging in the judgment. Mm. The Bible also says that Jesus is the person who will do all of the defending in the judgment. Now, Gemma, I have to ask you this question. Let's say that you're going to court. Oh, no. What have I done? All, all kinds of terrible parking things. Parking tickets, right? <coughs> parking tickets. You're, you're heading off to court for unpaid parking fines. That sounds like me. And you hire somebody to be your defense. Okay. You turn up in court, and the person you hired to be your defense is the same person of the, as the judge. How are you feeling right now? I'm cheering. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if it was here in Australia, you might not because it would be tossed out. And they're like, oh, you can't do that because that's collusion. It's or that is, that is not fair. rigged in your favor. <laughs> yeah. But here's the simple reality. The judgment in heaven is rigged in your favor. Oh, yes. Now, you can lose in this judgment. There's no question about that. If you say, no, I don't want Jesus as my judge and I don't want him as my defense, then, uh, well, he's still going to be your judge, but if you don't have him as your defense, he, don't, he won't force himself. Mm. So you can still lose, but only if you reject Jesus Christ. If Jesus is on your side, you cannot lose in this court case. Not at all. In the land of faithless
That was The Sweet Sympathy with No Night There. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We've come to the end of the show, which means we get to give something away. What are yes. we giving away today? We are giving away a copy of a fabulous book called Christ's Object Lessons by yes. Ellen White. Such a cool book. Excellent. Commentary is- on the parables of Jesus. I really, really love parables. I kind of understand things best with me with analogies and things like that. So I really, really love parables. And this book is probably one of my favorite of hers, actually. If you are looking for Bible study material, if you are looking for small group material, mm. uh, if you are looking for sermon material, if you are, it's just fantastic. If you are looking for a great, one of the best devotional books ever, Christ's Object Lessons. So give us a call right now. Our number is. 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text us on 0491-064-669. Okay, so coming up straight after this, we have John Bradshaw. So stay tuned for John Bradshaw, one of the highest rating speakers on our show, uh, will be joining us. And, of course, tomorrow our interview of the day will be with David Haupt. Make sure that you tune in to hear what David Haupt has to say about emotional health. Yes. And don't forget, we always encourage you to read your Bible wherever you are. Whatever you are doing, get into your Bible and study it for all you are worth. And Gemma, don't forget to... Talk faith. Live faith. Act faith. And you will grow strong strong in in Jesus Christ. Something like that. We nearly got that. (laughs) That was fun.